Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God, or at the right hand of the throne, sorry, of God. Bow your heads and pray briefly. Father God, bless your word. Help us to receive it and to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to thank the brothers in leading us in praise. Uh, there's nothing like Carolina praise. Amen. But Texas reminds me of North Carolina. Amen. I'm not, I'm not breaking nobody down. They just remind me. They, they sound like us when they're doing that. Yeah. I love to. Yeah, boy. I have decided, determined I'm committed, that I'll run. No matter the cost, I have decided. Determined I'm committed that I'll run even though I may get lost. I'm going to run this race. I'm going to take my proper place in the winning circle. I'm going to run anyway. I don't know when, I don't know where or how, but I know I'm going to make it. I'm going to, see, see, y'all with me? <laughs> I wasn't here for this. Let's get into the book. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I want to give three points. One of them is to, to run. The other one is to look. The other point is to finish. Run. Look. Finish. If I gave a parenthetical topic to this lesson, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, I would say that it was run for your life. Here, the Hebrew writer, who I believe is Paul, but since we don't know, I'll just refer to him as the Hebrew writer. Because he sounds a lot like Paul when he talks about running. That we must, we must run the race that is set before us, and I got a long way to go and a short time to get there, so if you'll let me, let's just teach about it. He says, he says that, that we ought to run the race that, that has been set before us. The word set is, carries the idea that it has been marked out already for us. My race, your race, 
our race has been marked out already. There's a race of faith that has already been marked out, but there's, there's a specific race that is absolutely your race. It's not my race, it's your race. I can criticize, I can objectify, I can do all kinds of things with you about your race, but it is your race and it's marked out already for you. It's marked out by who gave you birth. It's marked out by your neighborhood, by your color, by your race, by your descendants. It's marked out by your situation, but I want you to know it's your race. You can't have my race. You may want my race, you may like my race, you may think my race is easy, but it's mine. Your race is your race. And, and it suggests that Jesus has already set the boundaries, not just for the church's race, but even for your race. You have to run your race. So I want to encourage you to run. Paul gives us one hint about running. I can't be exhaustive about this, but in Philippians, he tells us that you have to run the race that is set before you. And he says you need to forget some things. You have to relax your memory. Amen. And, and if I could get deep into Philippians, you have, to, you have to relax your memory on the things you have achieved and the things that you have failed at. Around verse, verse number 13 uh, of chapter 3 of Philippians, he says, not that I have already attained or were already perfect, but this is one thing I do. He said, I follow after, I press towards, I press toward the mark of the high prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. If you're going to run your race, you need to get ready to go to higher orders. You have to take a higher step. Y'all with me today? I don't have to preach to give my only amens. But without a doubt, where's I run? He says, run with patience. The word patience there means perseverance. You can't give in. You can't give out. You can't stop. You must run this race, nestled in amazing grace. You have to have your mind made up that you're going to run until you finish. But this is not pretentious, and this race is not a common race, and it's not a race that you can run casually. It's no longer practice. It's no more, no more practice racing, no more fighting with the ass, he says in 1 Corinthians. Now you've, in the, you've entered into the real arena. Uh, I said you've entered into the real arena. So he says, let us lay aside every weight. And every sin that does so easily beset us, then let us run. Take off the guilty stain. Take off the burden that you bear. But even in the text, I believe he gives us an idea of what he means when he talks about the weight and the sin. Because he, he wants us to understand that there are some things that we can't run the race that Jesus has before us, carrying it on us. If you jump over, if you got your copy of the Word of God, and you look at the Bible, he says early on, he says that we have to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man should see the Lord. Look diligently, lest, you, lest any fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicators or profane persons as Esau, who for the morsel of meat sold his birthright. Yeah. Uh, you know the story. How because he wanted a little bit of porridge, he sold his birthright to someone for a moment of satisfaction, for a moment of pleasure, for a moment. He gave up his birthright. And he's saying, don't you let weights of bitterness change your mindset where you don't realize what's important and what's not. 
You don't hear me now. That's your hallelujah point. So he says you have to lay aside bitterness because bitterness will dilute your judgment. Bitterness will mess up your sight. Bitterness will mess up your choices. So it's in our bitterness and our frustration that we are weighted down. He says put it aside. It may have had a purpose at one point in your life, but the purpose has passed. You're into the arena now, the arena of real Christianity, the arena of real sainthood. You can't pretend no more. You can't, you can't just sit and practice no more. Now you have to be Christian. You said, uh, said well, what do you mean you entered into the arena? Well, he said, since we have entered into such a great cloud of witnesses, and, and the word there, he says, since we're compassed about, which literally means to be wrapped up. We, we, have, we have a cloud of witnesses that have wrapped around every side of us. And since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, now let us lay aside every weight. You're not outside no more. You're not pretending no more. No more practicing. This ain't play war. This is real war. This ain't play running. This is real running. Now you're running the race and you're in the arena now. So let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. If you are a legitimate racer, if you are really what you say you are, if you come to church and, and the sermon can't correct you, doesn't sound like the word of God to you, you're bothered when somebody get in your seat. Oh, he preaching at me. Well, why wasn't he preaching at you before? We, we come to worship to be instructed, to be guided, to be lifted up to a higher level where we can run on the level God called us to. So why are you bothered when the sermon hits your seat? He says, if you go down into the text, he says, nobody's happy with any chastening. Nobody's happy when nobody wants to be chastened, but, but if you're a legitimate child of God, if you really are what you say you are, then chastisement shows that you are a legitimate child of God. Uh, Y'all don't hear me. That's your amen for it. If you look down, he begins to address the fact that, that if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Now we're talking about the race. Within the race, your coach has to coach you guide you, direct you. Let me show y'all, y'all don't really get this. In, 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 the, in the ancient world, when you had an illegitimate child, you wouldn't teach them anything. You wouldn't guide them. It's not just about whoopings. It's about sharing wisdom. Letting them know the family secrets. You know what I mean? And he's saying that if God really sees you as a legitimate child, he won't let you just grow wild. He chastens you, he teaches you, he guides you, he gets involved in your life. But if you don't like that, you accept the fact that you're a bastard child. Because the daddy don't care about the bastards. He let them grow wild, but his children... Y'all looking at me like that's not in the Bible. Verse 8, but if ye be without chastening, whereof are partakers then are ye bastards? and not sons. The Greek word there can be translated daughters, sons, or children. So he's saying, when you're never corrected, when you're never instructed, when you're never learning, when you're not being bothered, you are an illegitimate child of God. And 
man, what a, what a, what a, what a glorious thing it is. In first John chapter three, he says, he says that God has, has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. I, I like that, boy, that, that I'm a legitimate, that he has bestowed it on me. In John, early on in John, he said, as many as, as believed him, he gave power to become children. See, all understand how important it is to be a child of God. If I am a legitimate child of God, that means I get the inheritance. That means I get to, I get to go. That means heaven's open for me. That means when I read Hebrews chapter 11, that's to me. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. He's talking to me. I got the title deed. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But they who come to God must believe that he is and that he's the reward of those who diligently seek him. That means I got a reward. Uh, my dad is alive and I got a reward. I get to go. I'm, I'm one of those who have the inheritance. And because I get the inheritance, I have his name. I'm deemed a child of God. No matter what anybody calls you, when you're called a child of God, that's as high as it can get. I'll take that I'm a child of the king. I'm not an illegitimate child. Y'all ever watch that thing where they, Marty Povich, where they, they do that thing and they come back and say, it's, are you the baby's uh, daddy? He come back, he says, uh, you are 99.9% 99 .9 sure that you are not the baby's daddy. <laughs> Some of them come back six and seven times. Well, baby, how many people did you go with that week? Some of us, because we don't have the love of God in us, the DNA test of glory was given us. They come back and tell us we're 99.9% .9 sure that you are not a child of God. <laughs> the love of God is not in you. The, the kindness of God is not in you. The joy of God is not in you. The, uh, you are not his child. Why? Because his DNA is not showing up in your L-I-V-E. <laughs> Let me get to the end. I know my time is running. Verse 2, which is really the center keynote of my, my conversation. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. See, we have a marked out race. Christ had a marked out race. He knew where he was going. And when he got there, he said, it is finished. The Apostle Paul started and knew where he was going. And in Philippians 1, he says, around verse 23, he says, I'm in a straight betwixt two, having a desire to go on and be with the Lord, but it's far better. He says, but I have to stay here with you because it's more needful for me now. By the time you get to him talking to Timothy and he's finished, he says, he says I fought a good fight. I fought a good fight. I, I've been through the highways and the byways, and I, I fought a good fight, but I wasn't finished. He says, but now I've kept the faith. Now is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day. Not to me only, but to all them that love 
his appearing. That's your hallelujah point. If you ain't get no hallelujah there, you ain't planning to go to heaven. Not to me only. But this race is not a race of quickness. It's not even a race of fastness or strength. It's a race of faith. I'm going to bless somebody today because the race only requires that you finish and that you finish with faith. Now, faith is a substance, which literally means our title deed. It shows that we got property in heaven. <laughs> if you ain't got no faith, you ain't got no, you ain't got no claim in heaven. And so you must run your race with endurance. The picture here is as though they've been practicing outside the arena. They've been practicing and running, and now they're on their course, and the course finally comes into the arena, into that game, and you, they've kept their mind in the game, and they, they've made it to the arena, and usually the race in the arena went from one end to the other. You would have the judge standing at the end of the race with a reef or a crown, and, and what they would win is that reef, and it, it, was, it was a cherished Reward, and they'd be standing at the end. And when you came around, you could see the end of the race and the judge of the race. They didn't have a bunch of ceremonies like the Olympics. They had when you won, you won it. And when they got there, he said they would see the end. And he said, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my race. So I have to run to Jesus. Little girl in church, they had to, they had to do some, some, some fixing, and they were remodeling the sanctuary. Up until then, they had a big mural behind them, and it was Jesus with his hands open. And, 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 and then uh, they would see him always, and they're singing and praising, and everybody stood up. Little girl yelled at her mother, Mama, Mama, tell them to move. I can't see Jesus. Sometimes we need to move <laughs> so folk can see Jesus. Amen. Jesus. Luke 10, 20. Jesus has the 40, the 70 go out. And they go out and they see that they can demand demons to get out the way came back excited. They're huddling up. You know how we get when we've done something we didn't think we could do? They said, the demons are subject to us. We got, we got power, power, wonder-working power. The demons do what we tell them to do. Jesus says, rejoice not that the demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Uh, that's, 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 that's not the end of it. I, I want to get to it and, and read it to you. Because it's, it's powerful what happens, what happens next. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus takes them. He says, don't rejoice that, that, the, that the demons are subject to you. He says, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Then he turns and the Bible says that Jesus got happy. And, and he says, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. But rather rejoice because your name are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced 
And that word is used to speak of rejoicing in the tongue, so that's not it. He rejoiced in his spirit and said, I thank thee, O Lord, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and has revealed them unto the babes, even so the Father, for so it seemeth good in thy sight. Gotcha, I got ten whole minutes, hot dog. Look at what happened. Jesus stops. While he's telling them, don't rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Don't rejoice that you have authority over demons. But rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Then Jesus turns around and gets happy himself. Now, I know we like to think that, that, that you're, you're more Christian when you don't move. But, but what this is, it says that Jesus rejoiced in his spirit. And the word literally means to rejoice in such a way that even your body moves. So Jesus had a James Brown moment and he rejoiced and, and he got happy. And not, not just not just that, he said, I thank God that you did not, re, did you not reveal this to the wise, to the know-it-alls, to everybody who think they got understanding. He says, but you revealed it to your children. Amen. You ought to be happy every time you get a new teaching because the Lord revealed it to you and he kept it secret from everybody else. Ain't you ever been in church where you just wanted to hoop, get happy? Lord have mercy. That's my blessing. Like press down, shaking together and running over. If you broke, you ought to, oh yeah, I like that. The Lord's going to give me something that I can't contain. A cup that runneth over. A life that's better than worseness. I got some good news for you that it's not over until it's over. He says, so therefore, I want you to run your race. Run your race knowing that you're a child of the king. Run your race knowing that he has something for you. Run your race believing that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you ask or think possible. Run this race that is your race. Run this race that belongs to you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your face, who for the joy that was set before him, he ran his race. He ran his race because he knew that it would save us from our burdens. It would save us from our problems. It would save us from our condemnness. It would save us from our malice, our anger, our bitterness, our trouble. Instead, he gave his life to cover us so that just maybe, just maybe, we would run a race that would pave a path for somebody else. When you get over to some of the latter chapters, he said in verse 13, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. What he's saying is don't you get comfortable with your bitterness and your backsliding, but rather be healed. Sometimes we feel so justified in why we don't come to church, why we ain't teaching no more, or why we don't like brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. And we live in our brokenness and our lameness. And he says, no, fix that stuff. Stop talking about folk around the table and stop rolling your eyes and stop changing your seat sitting on the other side of the church. Stop acting like you ain't part of the family. 
But he said, instead he says, be healed because in that way those who are following after can see a path that ought to be taken. Your path of bitterness is not the path. Your path of anger is not the path. Your path of shortcomings is not the path. Your path of self-righteousness is not the path. But instead, give them a path of love and trust and obedience, kindness, gentleness, joy, excitement. Why would anybody come to church to be sick? But instead, live a life in front of people. Make straight the path. That's an interesting word, too. Because it's a word that literally means to, to erect, to make upright. So he's telling you, you choose the high path. You choose the high road. Amen? That others may follow. Instead of walking in the plains all the time. Where every time it rains, you get drowned. Every time there's a flood, you get trouble. But instead, take the high road, the road of holiness. Because with holiness, I get a chance to walk with God. I'm going to run this race. I'm going to take my proper place in the winning circle. I made up my mind. I'm not wasting no time. I'm going to run till I finish. He says, I may get lost on the way. I don't know when, I don't know where, I don't know how, but I'm going to run till I finish. I made up my mind. I'm not wasting no time. I'm going to run till I finish. Praise God.